Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that those were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you were repent, you will all perish as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree. And still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you may cut it down. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. I invite all the young and young at heart forward for a special message. Sometimes I bring props, sometimes I don't. I don't have anything, and that's actually 
just kind of went out and he looked at this tree that he'd taken care of and there was no fruit on it, like one of an apple tree and finding no apple. Or an orange tree and finding no apple. He wasn't, he wasn't too happy. And the gardener said, well, wait a minute, don't cut the tree down. Let's take the time to make sure that it has the good soil and we care for it. And then it will make fruit. It will make figs. Um, sometimes we go in this world looking for things that aren't there, even though they should be. Right? Sometimes it's hard to find people who love and care for us when we need it. Sometimes it's hard to, to hear where God is in the world when we feel alone. But that gardener has some good words for us. Let it be. Let's take care of the soil that it's planted in. Let's make sure that this tree is healthy. And then we'll find what we need. In times in our life where we need to be comforted, even if we can't seem to find someone who's there to care for us, trust that someone's caring for you. Because God loves you. In times where we need to know that God's love is there for us, take a look around and see the people who are looking for God to show up. Because in them we'll find the love and mercy that God offers. The fruit that God offers sometimes may not be a fig or an apple or an orange. Mm-hmm. Maybe a smile when we feel sad. Right? Like the fruits of the Spirit, we talked about those in Sunday school last fall, right? Gentleness when we feel lonely. Someone there to let us know that we're not alone. So you go through this week and you ask yourself, where do you see God? Uh, know that God is with you everywhere you go. Can you pray? Thank you for the fruits that you put in our lives. Help us to share them with others. To let the world know that you love them. That you care for all of us. And that our time has not yet come to be cut down. Be with those who hurt in any way. And let us be the smile and the comfort that they need in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. join me in prayer. Gracious God, our thoughts are not your thoughts. Our ways are not your ways. But you have come to us to show us the way, the truth, and the life that rests in you through your son Jesus. Raise us up to be people who follow your ways. Guide us by your spirit and by this word that you have poured out for us this day. And raise us up in all things to be the body and blood of Christ Jesus for the world so desperately in need of what you have to offer. All these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Life is short. And anything can happen at a moment's notice. We typically hear that uh, right before an impassioned plea by someone we deeply care about who urging us to go and do the things in life that, that they may regret or have been unable to accomplish in their own days or in regard to things that we think or believe will bring us a sense of joy and purpose and meaning in the world. Right, who of you here has a bucket list? Right, go bungee jumping, go skydiving, backpack across Europe, take a road trip across the country, reconnect with an old flame or an estranged family member. But that similar sentiment that, that life is short and anything can happen at a moment's notice also comes to us in times of tragedy. Both for ourselves as, as people, but also as a community. The sudden death of a beloved friend or family member, the news of the death of a, a young person or a beloved public figure. Towers falling from the sky. Worshippers gathered in churches and synagogues and mosques or children gathered in schools put on lockdown and evacuated for safety in a place where where none of those things should even have to be on their mind the stories the stories that are found in today's gospel lessons sound all too familiar to us in the wake of our recent memories This crowd comes together to warn Jesus, who's dead set on making it to Jerusalem, that if he should make it there, his preaching and his teaching and the works of healing and ministry that he does may not be received too well by the people who are in power there. They tell him how Pilate has taken up a group of religious pilgrims and slaughtered them. And mingled their blood with the blood of the sacrifices that they came to offer and worship to God. Desecrating the temple. Desecrating their offering. And killing innocent people whose only crime is that they weren't Roman. And so hearing this, Jesus Jesus looks at them and says, Do you think that these people were any worse sinners than any of the rest of them? Curious if these massacred pilgrims were deserving of their fate because of some unspoken sinfulness. Jesus then brings up another story about a tower that fell and killed 18 in Jerusalem. By saying these things, Jesus really doesn't care about that question at all. Were these people any worse? Than the others? No, I tell you. Plain as that. No what ifs, no maybes. Nothing further on the subject. Simply no. Life with its its horrors, its its tragedies, its senseless violence 
and death can be cruel. And if any sin is involved at all, it's on the part of those who take and destroy life. Not those who suffer and anguish in the face of death. And so if Jesus isn't interested in talking about the possible sinfulness of these Galileans and Jerusalemites, what, what's the purpose of clinging on to these stories of pain? Jesus brings up these disasters of recent memory surrounding a very clear and explicit warning. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all likewise perish. We often think of repentance as the, the process of turning away from sin, of, of doing one thing one moment, recognizing that it's bad for us, and not doing it the next moment. Turning away from the, the brokenness and the wrongdoings that damages our relationships and estranges us from God and from neighbor. But we do well to remember that repentance is about much more than just changing our actions. It's about changing our outlook and our attitude towards God and toward the world. That everything that we do from then on out bears good fruits. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all also perish. Jesus said this to a crowd of people. Who have their days still ahead of them. Their perception of their neighbor needs to change before their, their complacency with the way the world is causes their own destruction. Don't think of yourselves any holier or better off than those who have suffered and died. That because you're alive, you're free from any kind of wrongdoing. A tree can still be healthy. But if it doesn't bear fruit, is it truly living? We also often think of repentance as, as something that we can do for ourselves. I can change my own actions independent of anyone around me. But Jesus said this to a crowd of people. The repentance that he has in mind is, is communal. The scale of what he's talking about in these few short verses is much larger than any one person could ever comprehend. So how do we do these things? How does repentance happen as a, a society, as a community, as a, as a church, as a congregation? Think of your Lenten disciplines. It's hard enough for one person to, to fast or to pray or to give alms. In a different, more fruitful way. On your own. What happens when we get people together? Committing to something so life-changing. is difficult. And the difficulty just piles on and on and on. How do we do these things? How do we repent? In a way that's fruitful and meaningful to God. Well, Jesus has the answer for that, too. He tells the story of a fig tree planted by a gardener, taken over and cared for by its landowner. 
a plant, a tree. These things don't grow on their own. They need to be watered. They need good, nutritious soil. They need light and a caretaker to ward off the parasites and the insects that stand in the way of good fruit. How do we do these things on our own? The answer is we don't. Repentance and fruit bearing are not things that we can do of our own free will. We need to be tended, we need to be pruned, we need to be cared for so that we don't just survive, we thrive. Make no mistake, it is God who prepares the soil, who feeds us with his own body and blood here around this table of fellowship, who waters us and strengthens our roots in the baptism that we share into the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus, who shines on us with light that no darkness can overcome. The opportunity to bear fruit is ours because God has made us his in Christ Jesus. Life is short and anything can happen at a moment's notice. Time is precious. And God is indeed making something new of it. As we wake up each morning, we don't just wake to a new day. We rise to a new day in Jesus Christ. And so as a people, we can't allow ourselves to become complacent with the way that this world works. While those around us suffer. Our neighbors need a home and food and water to know that they're loved not just in Haiti or other places around the world touched by disaster or poverty but here in our own backyard our neighbors need protection in Bible study Thursday we talked a little bit about how uh, scripture talks to us even some 3,000 years after it's written the threat of human trafficking is real. The threat to our, our neighbors, their bodies and their livelihoods are real. And those who are most vulnerable, those who are innocent in this world, need to know that God loves them. And they will know that when their neighbor loves them as well. Our neighbor needs to know that there is healing in this world. Look at the way that the op opioid epidemic—I'm getting tongue-tied. Excuse me. The opioid epidemic—say that ten times—is spreading across this country, touching even our community. If you pull up the obituaries and you see the number of young deaths, it makes you not want to open the paper the next day. These people need to know that they are loved and they are comforted and they are cared for. And that healing is possible because of the love of those around them. All of you have been touched in some way by illness or tragedy or death. And God's given us a community to help care for one another. 
to share the fruit that we've been given in a way that's meaningful and life-giving and brings purpose to the world again. Life is short. And God's given us these gifts to make it worthwhile for ourselves and for those around us. In our fear, in our frailty, in our sorrow, in our sickness, we trust and we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that living our best life now means sharing it as people whom God has called, whom God loves, whom God equips to love and serve the world in the name of Jesus. For these and for all things we say, Amen.